welcome once again to Milton Bible Church Online. It's so great to be together, and it's wonderful to uh, be opening the Word of God right now. Uh, today we're going to start like a new mini-series, just about three weeks long, but it's something that God's been placing upon my heart to speak into, because I really feel that during this day of uh, physical isolation and keeping, you know, six feet apart and, and not seeing people as much as we would like, uh, things have really shifted, and there's been a real disruption in many quarters. But I also feel deep inside my soul that God wants to do something very special. He wants to break through in ways that we really will be able to see him in all his glory. And I really believe that the kingdom of God is going to break through something in my spirit that says God is on the move and something very special is going to happen. So I would like to talk about the topic of leadership in a time of challenge. Leadership in a time of challenge, because I believe that we need to be prepared for God when he breaks through and when the kingdom of God breaks through. And so I want to speak into the topic of leadership in a time of challenge. I want to go to one of my favorite books of the Bible, the book of Judges, and one of my favorite characters in the book of Judges is a guy by the name of Gideon. Before we do that, I want to read uh, a passage from Isaiah chapter 9. And uh, we'll look at Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to look at Judges chapter 6 today. <clears throat> but Isaiah chapter 9, which is usually a passage that is read around Christmas time, but it really is a passage that talks about the breaking through of the King of Kings and the coming of the kingdom of God. Listen to it as I read, and then I'm going to make the connection to the book of Judges. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, it says this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That is a passage that describes the breakthrough that happens when the kingdom of God comes forth in power. There is a connection to the book of Judges, and it's found in verse 4. And when it says in verse 4, the rod of his oppressor you have broken on the day of Midian. Now, the day of Midian was a day of battle. It was a day of war. And what we often find when the kingdom of God breaks through is there is a battle involved. There is a battle that will resemble uh, a, a great war before kingdom breakthrough happens. 
extraordinary breakthrough as the kingdom of God goes forward in power. And the people sitting in darkness will see a great light and there will be a time of darkness and then there will be a great breakthrough as on the day of Midian, the day of the battle of Midian. And so let me read a few verses uh, in Judges chapter 6 that talk about what is happening in the day of Midian. And then I just want to talk about a couple of things uh, to do with leadership in a time of challenge. So Judges chapter 1, or sorry, Judges chapter 6 verse 1. I'm going to read 16 verses, and please listen along as I read. It says, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel, and because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains, the caves, and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock, their tents. They would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted so that they laid waste and, uh, and the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. And when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now the angel of the Lord came and he sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, and he's given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go, in, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Let's pray together. Father, we would ask that as we look into your word that you would open our hearts, that you would open our hearts to receive uh, what you have for us this day. May you honor your word. May you bless it. May it cut through anything 
that stands in the way of us loving you and you loving us in the way that you desire us to enjoy relationship. So Lord, we pray, may your word go forth in power this day in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the context of the book of Judges, especially Judges chapter 6 to 8. And these are the chapters of Gideon. But before Gideon, the Israelites had known outstanding success in battle and in war and in prosperity and in the blessing of God. But what has happened is a younger generation has come forward a generation that did not know or did not experience the miracles of coming out of Egypt, of being released from the bondage of slavery, of coming into a new land and a new day and a new place and a new time and seeing God's hand move in powerful ways. A new generation had arisen up that had not experienced God in the way that God had moved in the past. And so what had happened was they began to compromise. They began to go different ways. They began to intermarry. They began to, to do things culturally that really were not acceptable um, in the house of Israel uh, before the Lord their God. And so what happened was they began to be in terrible trouble because they disobeyed God. They fell under the oppressor, the boot of Midian, as the scripture says, and they were in terrible trouble. By this time, they were completely oppressed. In fact, they had lost their courage. Well, what happened? What had happened? Well, Judges chapter 6, verse 1 says this. It says, the Lord gave them into the hands of the Midianites. What happened was they hit an enemy, they hit a wall so strong that they couldn't possibly overcome. And isn't that so true of the church today? The church today has hit a wall in Canada where it really is not a, a, a people with a voice in many ways. When this whole COVID-19 thing came, um, the churches were very quick to be called out Places of assembly, they said, would be shut down. Now that we're moving towards reopening, we don't hear any words of places of assembly reopening. It really isn't on the radar. It really isn't a part of the, of the future plan at this point. In the in, and even in the best of times, the church has had uh, not much of a voice in our nation. Um, our voice really is not respected, even on the national scene. And the church in Canada seems to be in decline and even gone silent. And what Gideon asks in all this is, where is God? Is not God on the throne? Is not God in charge? Well, the truth is that is exactly what has happened. God is on the throne and God is in charge. That's what Judges 6, 1 is saying. The Lord gave them into the hand of Midian. It was the Lord that caused these things to happen. It was the Lord that allowed these things to happen. In fact, in Judges chapter 2, verse 10, it said that the leaders at the time in Israel did not even know God. And then in Judges chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned. And the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. 
And then in Judges chapter 3, verse 12, it even says the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel because they had done what was evil in the sight of the Lord. You see, when Israel was walking with God, they were never defeated. Never defeated. That's why it says in Joshua 2, verse 7, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. You see, there was a generation that had seen the power of God, that had seen God move in powerful ways, that had seen the Lord rise up and deliver his people in supernatural ways, that they wrote books about and they sung uh, songs about. But that had not happened in a long time. That had not happened for Gideon's generation. In Gideon's generation, it seemed like the power of God had died out. But the story begins to turn. The story begins to turn in Gideon's day, and it turns when the people begin to cry out in prayer. And what happens is God sends a prophet. So in Judges chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, it says, When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. Why does he bring a prophet? Because God wants to see his people through this time of challenge. God sometimes allows things to happen to bring us back to him so that we begin to say, God, will you act? God, will you move? God, will you demonstrate your power? God, will you come through for us? God, will you uh, demonstrate who you are because we so desperately need you and our hearts are now aligned with you and in tune with you? Oh, please, Lord, be with us during this day. You know, often as Christians, we like to blame other things and other people and institutions and this. And we say, well, it's all the politicians' fault because they did blah, blah, blah. And we say, well, it's the entertainment industry that's ruining everything, or it's the educational system, you know, or, <clears throat> you know, it's our culture, you know, that is so anti-Christian. But, you know, oftentimes God says, no, it's not. Oftentimes, the problem is the church. The problem is us. And so, as we are out of step with God, he does something to bring us back in step with him. And three things happen when God's people cry out to him. Three things happen when God's people begin to pray. The first thing that happens is God sends a prophet. The second thing that happens is God raises up a leader. And the third thing that happens is God brings forth an army. We're going to look at that over the next few weeks. God sends a prophet, God raises up a leader, and God sends forth an army. That happens over and over and over again in the history of God's people. So let's look at the first thing. God sends a prophet. And here we have, in this early, early part of chapter 6, we have really what 
I would call it the prophetic explanation. The prophet comes and he says, here's why things are happening the way they're happening. And uh, we won't read the whole uh, passage of scripture, but if you look at Judges 6 verses 8 to 10, right at the end of it, uh, the prophet says, and I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you dwell. And then at the end he says this, but you have not obeyed my voice. You have not obeyed my voice, and that is the problem. You see, God sent a prophet to help his people with the reality of what was happening in their day. Do you know what? It's not honoring to God when the church is mocked or put to shame. God desires to teach his people to help them to wake up to the spiritual realities that are happening around them. He's not about punishing, but he is about, he is about admonishing and correcting and teaching and reproof and bringing our hearts back in line with his heart. Do you know, when our children were small, my wife Mary was a marvelous teacher to our kids. What she would do is she would grab them, you know, hold, hold her, their their chins um, in her hand, her gentle hands that had like a vice-like grip, and she would look into their eyes, and she would say, now look into my eyes. Now listen to my voice. Do you see what just happened a minute ago? It cannot happen again. I want you to understand my teaching. I want you to obey my voice because I do not want bad things to happen to you. And I do not want you to, 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 to have problems in your life. So look into my eyes. Listen to my voice. Do you understand? And they would squirm their little heads and they would look their eyes everywhere else and they would wiggle their chin. But my wife, she would not let go until they understood and taught them what was right and what was wrong and how much she loved them and wanted the best for them. This is like the prophetic, prophetic voice that the church needs to hear. The prophets have a way of cutting through culture speaking clearly into our homes, clearly into our marriages, clearly into our businesses, clearly into our lives, and cutting straight to the heart of things so that we begin to understand what it is that God desires of us, how God is calling us back into relationship with him, and how to walk in such a way that is honoring to the Lord and brings uh, the fruit of the kingdom of God into our lives. That's what the prophet's voice does. And I will tell you something. We desperately need to hear the prophetic more at Milton Bible Church. We need to hear the prophetic voice louder than we have heard it before. We need to honor the gift of prophecy amongst us because we need to hear God speak because we need to see God break through. And we need a generation of prophetic voices to rise up and to bring clarity and light so that many young men and women can fulfill the destiny that God is calling them to in all his fullness. A generation that walks in purity and has a passion for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and live for him alone and not to be chasing after anything but him and his love 
and his place and his presence in their lives, a pure devotion for the living God. What, do, what God does, what God does in prophecy is he stops his people in their tracks in order to call them back to him. And you might ask, well, Jim, is this just Old Testament teaching? And I would say, no, this is New Testament teaching too. If you look to the book of Revelation, to, to Revelation chapters 2 and 3, that are, there are letters written to the seven churches of the book of Revelation. I really want to do a, a series of sermons on this, and, and it may come at you pretty soon. But what they, the prophecies that are found in those chapters are there to grab a hold of the church, to stop it in its tracks, and to call it back to him. The very first uh, prophetic word is given to the church at Ephesus, a church I love, the, 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 the book of Ephesians and the way Ephesus has been um, in, uh, in, in the book of Acts. It's just a marvelous church. But the prophecy is this. You've done a lot of good things, but I have this against you. You have lost your first love. So go back to the things that you first did. And what John is doing, he's calling the church back. Christ is calling the church back to himself through the voice of the prophetic. It's a clear warning because they're mingling with this and they're tolerating that and they're compromising with culture. Do you know, understand this, God is concerned with the purity of his church. God is concerned with the purity of his people. And we so desperately need the voice of the prophetic at Milton Bible Church, we do. We so desperately need it. We need it in greater and greater measures. In the Old Testament, we had a few prophets that rose up like this one uh, in, in the book of Judges. But now, in the outpouring of Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that many would prophesy. Many men, many women would, would, would prophesy and would have this gift and be able to call the church forward and bless the church for God's glory. <coughs> it's so important for the prophetic to precede the leader and the army of God's people to come forward. I mean, when you look at Samuel, the prophet Samuel, <clears throat> he preceded David, whom David, God's greatest king in the Old Testament, who called forth an army that led the people of Israel into a time of great peace and prosperity. And then you have, in the book of Acts, you have Acts 13, where it says the prophets and the teachers gathered for prayer. And it was during that time that the Spirit of God spoke and said, you know, call out uh, Paul and Barnabas, you know, to the work to which I have called them, set them apart. And out of that came one of the greatest releases of missions in the world, um, even, to, even to this day. And then, of course, the great prophet, John the Baptist, who preceded the greatest leader, Jesus Christ, who, got, who God brought forth the most phenomenal army, and that is the church, a spiritual army. This pattern exists over and over and over in Scripture, and we desperately need to honor the prophetic, to stir up prophecy in our midst, and to hear the voice of God calling his people back to himself so important. We desperately need 
the prophetic voice. But let me say this. Be careful of the danger of other gods. Be careful of the danger of other gods, the gods of money, comfort, and security. Other gods who will say, let me offer you peace. Let me offer you security. Let me offer you safety. Let me offer you freedom from anxiety. And the God of money will say to you, I will offer you the things that your God cannot give you. And he will offer them to pull us away from the God Jehovah. But what the prophets do is they call us back to God and his love and his provision and the, his safety of our hearts. Back to his love and his place of priority in our lives. That's what the prophet does. So when God wants to call his people into greater kingdom breakthrough, he first sends a prophet. He sends a prophet. And here's the prophetic explanation that this prophet gives to Gideon. God is against you because he is against the compromise that is in your life. And then God begins to change a man's heart. And that's the second thing we see in this passage, that God raises up a leader, that God changes the leader and he shapes him to be who he needs him to be. So you see, when God wants to change a city or a, a province or a nation or even a world, the first, you know, what God does is he begins to change an individual. And he begins to change an individual so that they might become the leader that he needs them to be. He begins to work on them. You know, how many times do we say, you know what, look at that celebrity, look at that star, look at that person. You know, aren't, you know, wouldn't they make a, you know, an amazing spokesperson for the Lord? Or if we're looking for a spokesperson, we say, hey, let's find someone that's good looking and confident and uh, well-spoken and, you know, and they, you know, they've got all the tools, you know, and let them, you know, be in front of the people. And that's what we see today, don't we? When we see all these TV specials going on, that's who we see. We see celebrities. We see actors. We see, you know, people that, that, that is the mold that they fit. But the Bible says, man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. And what does God find with Gideon? Do you know what he finds? He finds an insecure person with very little faith. That's who he chooses. God calls Gideon to lead his people into battle. And Gideon says in response, listen, I am a nobody and I'm from a family of nobodies. And then all of a sudden Gideon says, okay, you convinced me I'm gonna go, but before I do go, <clears throat> what I want you to do is I want you uh, to give me a sign. I'm going to put out a fleece. I'm just going to put out a bag of wool, and I'm going to put it outside. And if that fleece is wet and everything around it is dry, then I'm going to know that this is indeed God's call upon my life. And then I'm going to have faith, and then I'm going to obey, and then I'm going to be confident and go forward. And, you know, you can write in your margin of your Bible— uh, no, you're not, Gideon. <laughs> no, you're not. Because <laughs> you are not a man of faith, and you are not a man of courage, and you are not a man of conviction, and you are not a very secure person. And so we find following that Gideon says, God, I need another test. 
I need another confirmation. In Judges chapter 7, verse 37, Gideon puts out his fleece, and uh, God gives him everything he asks for, and yet Gideon is still not a man of faith, but you know what? He will be. He will be. God chose a man who is weak in himself, a man weak in confidence and insecure within himself. And you know what? I find that so encouraging. I find that incredibly encouraging because God is not looking for people who, who have already arrived. God is not looking and saying, does that person have great faith? Does that person have great competencies? Does that person have great ability? Is that person, you know, especially attractive? You know, God is, does not look with those kinds of eyes. In fact, Gideon was a very weak man but we know in the New Testament, the scripture says that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. But there was one thing Gideon had. And do you know what it was? Do you know what Gideon had? Gideon was hungry for God. Gideon was hungry for God. Listen to these words. When the angel of the Lord spoke to Gideon, Gideon replied, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? Do you know what? Gideon was weak, but he had a longing for God. He had a hunger for God. Where is God in all this, he says. Why hasn't God done for us what he's done for the last generation, Gideon says. Where is God in all this? You know, personally, I love that because you know what Gideon is saying. Gideon is hungering for more of God. Gideon, Gideon is saying, I want to see more of the presence of God. I want to see more of the power of God. I want to see more of the intervention of God. I'm hungering for more of God in the life of my nation and my people and myself. What a phenomenal passion and hunger <coughs> he had for God. He did. Gideon was hungering for God in a time of trouble. Do you know, last month, about six weeks ago, I was walking around with a check for $3,000 in my pocket that we had designated to give to another charity in our community. And <clears throat> I was really excited about giving that. Um, at the, you know, towards the early part of the new year, and I tried to make arrangements to, to give that. <clears throat> I tried to... Um, make arrangements to make that happen, and, and that arrangement fell through, and then I tried to mail it to a place. That didn't work, and then I tried to, you know, take it, uh, hand deliver it somewhere, and they said, you can't do that, you know, now during the time of COVID-19. And as that time elapsed, those weeks that I wasn't able to get that $3,000 to the place where I wanted to get it, you know, I be, doubt began to creep up in my mind. And I begin to think thoughts like, I wonder how we're doing financially as a church. I wonder if we're able to make mortgage payments. I wonder if we're going to be able to pay for the staff. I'm wondering if we're going to be able to continue Food for Life. I'm wondering if we're going to be able to, to keep going. 
And I began to think, you know, how are the layoffs going to work, you know, at NBC? How are we going to begin to shut things down? I wonder if we can sell some things, you know? And I think that, you know, in many ways, some of you people in business and owners, you know, that's the way you think. You think, how am I going to feed, you know, people that are in my care? You know, an employee just comes and takes a they're, they just cash their paycheck, but the leader says, how am I gonna make sure there's enough money in the bank to make all the, the payments and, and meet all our commitments, you know, and be honorable in everything we do and provide for all the families that are here? And that began to weigh me down and I began to think, maybe I shouldn't give this money. Oh, maybe I should just keep it in my pocket. Maybe I should wait until, you know, things settle down a bit. But the Lord really convicted me. So do you know what? I sat down and I wrote out an envelope and I put a stamp on it and I wrote a note to the director of this charity that it was supposed to go, that it was supposed to, go to and I popped it in the mail. The very next day, someone came up to me and said, Jim, can I talk to you? There's a person that didn't go to church, didn't go to our church. I don't know if they go to any church. But they put in my hand a check for $10,000 and said, I want you to take this and, uh, and, and basically, the needs that you're meeting in our community, for those who are hurting, just keep on doing it. Use it however way you think is best. And I was just so humbled by it, so completely floored that God would provide in such a magnificent way for such a person whose faith was ebbing and who showed such weakness. You know, when we began the Food for Life ministry, we saw so much of an outpouring that it was almost impossible to keep up with it. There was so much food that was donated, so many skids of water and juice and, and pop and, and, and drinks that came in. There were, there were clothes that were, were donated. There, were, there, there was money that was given. And it was just as if God was just pouring out in that time, a time of blessing and a time of fruitfulness and in a time of ministry. And what I have sensed in my spirit, and I've shared this with a few others, is that I believe we are at that time again where God is beginning to pour out his blessing and pour out his spirit and pour out his presence in such a way that we will see life change in so many lives that it will be hard to keep up with. I sense that in my spirit, and I believe that with all my heart. You see, Gideon was weak. He lacked faith, but he was longing for God. So let me ask you a question. Are you hungry for God today? Are you hungry for God? Are you God hungry? Listen to what God says to Gideon. In verse 12, he says, You valiant warrior, the Lord is with you. And Gideon, by his grace, he becomes a valiant warrior. And God sees Gideon as he is going to be, not as he is. Gideon is not yet a valiant warrior, but he will be. And Gideon will take 300 against an army of thousands. But he's not ready to do that yet. God 
praise his name, sees Gideon as he will be, not as he currently is. It's kind of like the passage that says God spoke and created something out of existence where there was nothing yet. And anyone who is in Christ, the scripture says, he is a new creation. Abraham was a, a man without any, or Abram was a man without any children. God spoke into his life, changed his name, gave him a new identity, called him Abraham, and he became the father of many nations. That's what the name Abraham means. You see, God's call guarantees God's presence and his sufficiency, even in a time of trouble and even in a time of challenge. Do you know, one of the greatest chapters in the Bible is Hebrews chapter 11. It's the great faith chapter. And if I would like my name to be anywhere in the scriptures, I would want it in the hall of faith, the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And guess whose name we find there? Yep, we find Gideon's name there. The guy who is weak, who lacked faith, who is insecure. Listen to what it says. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. It says, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, was made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. Wow! Let me ask you, do you believe God's assessment of you? Do you believe that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, clothed in the Holy Spirit of God, endowed with power supernaturally from on high to go forward and bring glory to his name. Because that is who God says you are. That is who God says the church is. How long will we not believe the Lord? Gideon was a man who became obedient to God by faith, and God used him for his glory. So let me ask you, what has God called you into? What has he called you into? Don't let the enemy speak death over you. If you are a mom, don't let the enemy say, how can you possibly be a blessing? Look at the way your children act, or look at this homeschooling thing. What a complete disaster it is. Or look at your abysmal prayer life. How can you possibly bless anyone? Or how can you be a leader? Um, you can't even balance a checkbook. Or listen, how can you make change in people's lives? You can't even handle, you know, a little bit of self-isolation. And what would happen is the enemy would speak death over us. But God desires to speak life over us. The Spirit of God desires to speak life into us. God comes and says, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Behold, all, all things are passed away and all things have become new. I have clothed you with my spirit. So walk in the newness of life into which I have called you. And God would say to you, listen, you are in Christ Jesus. I love you. I sent my son to die for you. I love you with an everlasting love, which shall never cease and never stop, and my hand is upon you. 
God doesn't despise your weakness. In fact, he will use the weak of those who will trust in him. You see, I believe the Lord is looking for leaders right now, right now, who will rise up in his name, who will long for him, who will hunger for him, who will be passionate about his, his presence in their lives to lead them into kingdom breakthroughs such as we have never seen before. And my question is, why not you? Why not you? Why not here? Why not now in your life? Why not you? I believe God's heart is for you. God wishes to use you for his glory. He's not looking at your resume. He's not looking at your profile. He's not looking at your weight scale. You know what he's looking at? He's looking at your heart. And he says, I just long for you and I to walk together, to be in love with each other once again, like we haven't been for a long time. And you know what? Kingdom breakthrough is going to come. Kingdom breakthrough is going to come. And I sense that. And I believe in Canada, in Milton, in the Halton region, in our province, in the nation, in the nations, we need a people who are ready for that, for when the Spirit of God begins to move in power. Will you be that person? Will you be that person? I believe God sees you and he sees your heart. And he says, yes. Yes, I am calling you. I am calling you. So what is it that God wants to do through you? What is it that God is calling you to? God is looking for leaders in a time of trouble. Listen for his voice. Listen for the prophetic. Listen from his word, what he will say to you that will give direction and life change. And we will see breakthrough as our hearts are tuned to his heart. I am so excited for the future. I hope you are too. God is beginning to move in power. And I'll tell you something. These are exciting days. I'm so looking forward to it. I am so looking forward to it. You will not believe how excited I am. Um, These are great days ahead. Greater things have yet to come. Let me pray for you and uh, pray for us. And, we'll, uh, and then we'll be dismissed, all right? Father, thank you for the fact that you give courage to those who are discouraged, that you make strong those who are weak, that you pour out your spirit for empowerment for those who feel they are powerless. And so we just look to you and we say, tune our hearts to yours. Thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. Thank you that your heart is for us. But Lord, we pray that you would call us back to you. And even now, Lord, as we pray, I pray that you would cut through anything, anything that separates us from you, any impurity, any lack of passion anything that does not honor you in our lives and is separating 
us from you at this time. Lord, I pray like a lover who loves with, with, with a, an amazing love that you would woo us back to you, that our hearts would be tender to the love relationship that you are calling us into as a church and as a people and as individuals. So Lord, let us love you. Let us be in love again. Let us be together in all the ways that you desire us to be. And we look forward to seeing your kingdom come and your will be done. And we're excited to live fully for you. Raise up leaders in this time of challenge, in this time of trouble. And may your kingdom come. And we will give you all the glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being with us and for listening. Uh, We look forward to continuing uh, the study of Gideon and what God will show us in the days ahead together.